The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Second service. How's it going? I was just telling Romano I can't wait to have a backstage someday. So when I get up, I'm not like having to fix my jeans in front of everybody over here for a second. So let me get these right. All right. Okay. Okay. We're good. All right. We are so glad that you're here. It is a new series. It is a new month. You are at new song. And uh, if it's your first time here, we are so glad that you decided to worship with us this morning. My name is Sarah Blunt. That's my husband over there, Josh Blunt. We are the pastors here at New Song Church, and uh, we'd love to meet you. If you're new, come say hi to us as you leave today at Guest Central. Uh, we'd love to shake your hand. Thank you for being here. We've got a gift for you. And also, if you're new, I want to invite you to take our four-week challenge. Give us four Sundays at New Song Church. I believe that Four Sundays will give you a really full picture of what New Song is doing, what God is doing here at New Song. You'll get to meet great people, hear great messages, uh, more of our worship. You'll just get the heart of what God's doing. It's hard to catch the heart one Sunday. So four, give us four Sundays here at New Song. And if you maybe took that four-week challenge four weeks ago and you're ready to plug in, this is your church, uh, or you just are like, yeah, I've, I've really dug the last four weeks and I want to learn more, come back tonight at Next Steps from five to seven right here at New Song. We've got a free childcare, dinner will be provided and uh, you'll get the vision of the church, our pillars, we'll talk about our values and you'll learn how you can take your next step. We love next steps because we believe that next steps changes lives. And we believe it because we've seen it over and over and over again. People come to the church, and they feel like they're supposed to get planted here. So they take that next step and they come to next steps. And uh, then they, they fulfill what the scripture says about those who are planted in the house of God. They'll flourish in the courts of their Lord. We see people flourish. Families flourish when they take those next steps and decide to jump in and join New Song Church. So come back tonight. It's going to be awesome. All right. We are starting a brand new series today called Within. And I gotta be honest, I've never started a series before. This week was tough. It was really tough to prepare a message and not want to give you everything I know about the Holy Spirit in week one. I kept telling him, like, he's like, no, we have to wait. There's more. There's five weeks of this series. You can't cover it all in week one. So know that as we get into this, this is just kind of some foundation, laying the foundation, and that each week is going to build on the message previous. So don't miss a week of within. It's going to be a, a very, like, game changer series for this church, all right? Okay, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 7. We're going to get there in just a second, but go ahead and get ready. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. You can follow along with me on the screens today. So about six years ago, Josh and I, we packed up everything we had and our three little kids, and we moved from Texas, Frisco, Texas, to Oklahoma City um, to start this church. We moved here to plant New Song. And in that season where we're packing up our house and we're looking for houses, you know, on Zillow and where are we going to live? We didn't know anything about Oklahoma City. It's a big, it's a big area. And so the cry of our heart during that time, my heart especially as mom, uh, was, Lord, help us to find a home in the right location. Because as the saying goes, location 
is everything. So I kept praying, Lord, help us find the home in the right location. I knew that the, the location of our home would determine where our kids went to school. It would determine uh, where we started this church, who we would be in community with, who we would become lifelong friends with. Location is everything. Uh, we actually had narrowed it down between two houses, one in Mustang and one over here. And obviously we went with the one over here. Location is everything. Uh, birds, butterflies, sea turtles, they migrate thousands of miles every fall because location is everything. Fathers of the bride, they dish out thousands of dollars for the perfect venue for the wedding because location is everything. Not so in my case. It was like, let's do it at the church. It's free, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, they pick the worst house in the best neighborhood because location is everything. If you're taking notes, write that down this morning. Location is everything. And as we start this series, I want to talk to you a little bit about the location of the Holy Spirit. I think it's important that we pinpoint his location because we know that God the Father is in heaven and that Jesus is seated at his right hand, but where is the Holy Spirit? I think there's some confusion from, uh, about that from time to time because we've got songs and they're well-meaning songs and they're good songs, but it's like, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And it's like, where is he falling from? Maybe there's a cloud, maybe he's in the cloud, but if it's a sunny day and there are no clouds, can the Holy Spirit show up? We welcome the Holy Spirit here at church and we ask him to change the atmosphere. Come in this place and change the atmosphere here. But can he show up in our cars and in our schools and in our homes? Where is the Holy Spirit? John chapter seven, Jesus reveals some exciting things about the Holy Spirit, including his location. But let me set the stage for you a little bit. I want you to see where Jesus is at in the story and what he is doing before he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. So he's at this Feast of Tabernacles. In the Old Testament, God gave his people seven feasts, and each feast uh, had specific things that would point to, kind of help tell the story of the plan of Jesus. It's kind of like Thanksgiving. It's this big feast, and it tells the story of our, our heritage here in America. And so he had these seven feasts, and one of the feasts was the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is the one that Jesus is at in John chapter 7. They would build these, like, makeshift huts, a week-long party. They'd stay in the huts during this festival, and the huts were there to remind them that as the people traveled through the wilderness that God was their shelter. Every piece of every festival, it pointed to something greater. They didn't do anything without purpose. Another tradition in this feast where Jesus was at was the water drawing ceremony. Now this ceremony was designed to, rem to remind God's people of how he had taken care of the children of Israel in the wilderness, that he had provided water for them. It was also to remind them that over the last 365 days or however many days their calendar was, I don't know, uh, that God had provided water for them. Water for us, like, we don't think about it much. We just turn on a faucet and it flows, right? Or here at Noah's, you just put your hands out and it flows. I've learned that lesson the hard way many times. I set, like, my makeup bag in the sink here when I'm trying to get ready between services, and I'm like, ah, the water is coming on. I activated it. So water, we don't, we don't think about it. It just flows here. But this was not the case in Jerusalem. They had no river running through Jerusalem, no major water source. So they were very much aware on their dependence on God for water, to, for their crops, to, for them to survive, for their preservation. So each morning at this festival, it started with the water drawing ceremony. And this festival was like 
No festival that you or I have ever seen. There was worshiping, there were instruments, there were jugglers and acrobats. It was a huge party. People were rejoicing and chanting. The high priest led all of the people like a big parade. And he had two pitchers, one full of wine, one full of water. And he would get to the temple. He would pour these pitchers out over the altar and the water and the wine would flow from the altar out into the outer courts. And people would just go nuts, rejoicing like we've never seen. In fact, all throughout history, we see this quote about this festival. Anyone who has not seen the water ceremony has never seen rejoicing in his life. So people were just celebrating. Imagine like if your team won the Super Bowl times 10, right? If your team won the World Series times 10, they were going crazy, so excited about water, They were excited about water. So here Jesus is. He's at this festival among the people, the tents, the tabernacles, the water ceremony. It's the last day of the festival. And on the last day, they don't do the ceremony. There's no parade. They've done it all other seven days. But on this last day, they just pray and they ask God for for him to provide rain for the upcoming year, for their preservation of life. So verse 37, this is where Jesus is at. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, I want you to notice something. This is the last day. This is the last festival that Jesus would attend before he was crucified. So this is the last time he's going to address many of these people. What does he want to say? How does he want to say it? He stands up and says in a loud voice, which I don't think was his usual default tone. He says, let anyone who is thirsty... Everyone's thinking about water and rain and thirst. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here Jesus is at this festival where water is like on everyone's mind and he stands up and says in a loud voice, rivers of living water were gonna flow from within those people, from within anyone who believed in Jesus. They would flow from them. This word flow, it's a rushing stream so full that it's actually overflowing its banks. Jesus is giving us a picture of what the spirit of God in us is supposed to look like that it should be flowing within us, not a trickle, not a stream, not a droplet, rivers, multiple rivers flowing strong through us so much so that it's overflowing and spilling out of our lives. Is that what your experience with the spirit of the living God looks like? Is that a picture of the Holy Spirit within you in your life right now? Maybe you're here and you're like, skirt, like back it up, lady. You are getting so excited. I don't even know about the Holy Spirit. Like, I know Jesus, I love Jesus, but I didn't know like the Holy Spirit's supposed to be a a river of living water within me, like actually in me. This, I've never heard this before. You remind me of Apollos. I love this conversation between Paul and Apollos in the New Testament, Acts chapter 19, one through seven. Paul is all excited about the Holy Spirit. Look at this conversation. The first thing Paul said was, said to Apollos, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you take God into your mind only, or did you also embrace him with your heart? Did he get inside you? Apollos, we've never even heard of that. 
a Holy Spirit, God within us? How were you baptized then, asked Paul, in John's baptism. That explains it, said Paul. John preached a baptism of radical life change so that people would be ready to receive the one coming after him who turned out to be Jesus. If you were baptized in John's baptism, you're ready now for the real thing, for Jesus. And they were. As soon as they heard of it, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Paul put his hands on their heads and the Holy Spirit entered them. From that moment on, they were praising God in tongues and talking about God's actions. Wherever you find yourself this morning, maybe like Apollos going, wait, what? This is the first time I've ever heard of this. Or maybe you grew up charismatic. Either way, our prayer is by the end of this series that your life would look like rivers of living water flowing from you, that you would experience this picture that Jesus painted for us on the day the last day of the Festival of Tabernacles. This is how his relationship, Jesus' relationship was with the Holy Spirit. And he's foretelling the nature of our relationship with the Holy Spirit, the kind of relationship we could experience with the Spirit of the living God after Jesus' death and resurrection. My grandma Wagner, she passed away a couple of years ago, and she was an awesome, awesome lady, like a textbook grandma. And uh, she, she had orange Tic Tacs in her purse all the time. She had Werther's in her candy dish anytime you went over. You could come over announced or unannounced, and it didn't matter. There was always going to be fresh baked cookie in a little, like a little sherbet container. It used to have sherbet ice cream. She'd, she'd store her cookies in there, and there's something about that. They were always so fresh. Uh, she uh, never drove. She always rode the bus everywhere. My first experience with city transportation was with my grandma on the bus, and I think if I remember correctly, it was raining, so of course she had a shower cap on that day, and we went to Homeland, and uh, she didn't buy anything that she didn't have a coupon for. Like the people at Homeland were always shocked. She'd put all of her stuff up, up there and then she had her little envelope full of coupons. She was an amazing, amazing grandma. And uh, before she passed away, she uh, ended up living with my mom for a little while. My mom became her caregiver and she still had her home that she grew up most of her adult life in. Uh, but she was living with my mom. And I think when she realized she was ending the near or ending or her, the last days were drawing near. She knew it was coming. She said to my mom, hey, um, I need to tell you about something. Uh, there's a Cool Whip container in the kitchen, and it is uh, underneath the sink where all the cleaning supplies is. It's back there. There's some cash in that. My mom's like, okay, next time I go over, I'll look for it. So my mom gets there, and she's mowing the grass, checking the mail, taking care of the house, and she remembers the Cool Whip container. So she goes into the kitchen. And she goes to the, kit, uh, the, the, the counter where all the cleaning stuff is, the cabinets. She opens it, up, opens it up, pushes everything back, and lo and behold, there's this little dirty Cool Whip container. So she pulls it out, she opens it up, and she begins to count the cash. There was $50,000 cash in that Cool Whip container. $50,000. When my mom told me the story, I thought a couple of things. Uh, one, how did Grandma Wagner get $50,000? Two, I should really look into couponing. And three, 
what if she'd never told anybody about this Cool Whip container? Like, what if she passed away in her sleep and she hadn't told my mom about this? And we're cleaning out the house and I get assigned, like, you clean out the kitchen and I'm going through the cleaning supplies and I get to this dirty Cool Whip container. You know what I'm gonna, I'm gonna think is in there? Grease. Like, you know how people, I'm gonna think it's grease, I'm gonna throw it in the trash. And that $50,000 is gonna end up in the landfill. But because she told my mom, my mom was able to get it, give it to my grandma, and she was able to give it to those that she loved before she left the earth. Okay, before Jesus left the earth, much like my grandma, he wanted us to know about something very valuable. He wanted us to know about his spirit, that it would be in an unlikely container that we might not think anything of that container, but that, that it would be there. Rivers of living water would flow from within those who believed in him. This is that moment he had with his disciples in John 16, 7. You need to know about this before I go. He says to him, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not, the helper The capital H helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him, the Holy Spirit, to you to be in close fellowship with you. Guys, you need to know about this before I go. And after Jesus conquered the grave and found his seat at the right hand of the Father, He made good on that promise. That was his first order of business, to send the Holy Spirit. You can read about it in Acts 2. There's another festival going on, and it says that the Holy Spirit came like a rushing, mighty wind. My favorite word in that passage of Scripture is rushing. I love that the Holy Spirit was in a hurry. He could not wait to be with us. He could not wait to tabernacle in us. He was excited to come and to be our helper. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are a temple? Everybody say, I am a temple. You are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Romans 8.11 says, the Spirit of God. The spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Let that sink in this morning. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He doesn't vacation in you. He doesn't stop by from time to time, pop in and out. He lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. This is your cool whip container moment. The Holy Spirit is there in you. This unlikely dirty little container that some people may overlook, he's in you. Now the question is, what are you going to do with that knowledge? What are you going to do now that you know that it's there? We're going to spend the rest of this morning, the rest of the series really, talking about what Holy Spirit living looks like. And my prayer is that you would leave here today so full of hope, knowing that everything that you need to work out your salvation, everything you need to fulfill God's will for your life, everything that you need to win as a son or daughter of Christ, it's found within. It's right here, guys, right here. The Spirit of God is within. This morning, we're going to zero in on this living waters uh, picture that Jesus left us. 
we're going to look at living waters and, and kind of pull uh, some comparisons. Why would he say, when he was talking about the Holy Spirit, why would he compare them to living waters? And as we look at this, it's going to help us be more aware of his presence so we can draw on it every day. Okay, so I've got three points for you this morning. The first one is the longest one. So, you know, like when you realize I haven't got to my second point yet and you're like, oh my gosh, like what, this is going to be forever. First point is the longest one. The second ones are fast, okay? Holy Spirit living looks like daily dependence. This is point number one. Holy Spirit living looks like daily dependence. Now, when Jesus got up and stood and said in a loud voice that rivers of living water would flow from within us, he didn't just say rivers of water. He said rivers of living water. Why did he say living water? Is there a difference between water and living water. Yes, there is. Living water refers to water in the form of rain or from a natural spring, flowing from a natural spring. It's water that's come directly from God. It's not water that's been carried by human hands or stored in cisterns. This or cisterns, this is living water, water that's rain, water that's natural from a spring. Okay, I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament here for just a second. Okay, remember the 10 plagues. Remember when Moses came and said to Pharaoh, AG kids, help me out here. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, baby, let my people go. Uh. First service had a lot more AG kids in it than second service. So he says, let my people go. We've got the 10 plagues. We've got flies. We've got locusts. We've got the Red Sea. The people make it out from the Red Sea. They're out of Egyptian captivity. They are on their way to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. They're no longer slaves. And here in Deuteronomy, we see this little description, a little description of what that land is going to look like. And I want you to look at this with me because there's some really cool stuff in here about living waters. Deuteronomy 11, 10 through 12 The land you are entering to take up ownership isn't like Egypt. It's different. This is going to be different, guys. The land you left where you had to plant your own seed and water it yourselves as in a vegetable garden, but the land you are about to cross the river and take for your own is a land of mountains and valleys. It drinks water from rains from the sky. This is living waters. This new promised land, it's a land of living water. It's going to drink rain from the sky. It's a land that God, your God, personally tends. He is the gardener. Who is your gardener this morning? He is the gardener. He alone keeps his eye on it all year long. God is letting the people know this is going to be different. Things are going to be different than they were when you were in Egyptian captivity. In Egypt, there wasn't a lot of rain. And so they had to depend on like hand irrigation and hand watering their crops for survival. But this would not be the case in the promised land. In the promised land, they would be fully dependent on God. God is going to make rain fall from the sky and that was going to keep their land watered, naturally sourced by God. So we see this contrast here. Egypt is a picture of security based on our human efforts. The promised land is a picture of security based on our dependence on God. We can't dig trenches. We can't irrigate things. We have to be fully dependent on living waters, rains naturally sourced from him. This is a picture of spirit living When Jesus talked about living waters, he knew this. He knew this. He was there when this plan for the promised land was set into motion. 
Spirit living is about being God dependent. When he proclaimed that living waters would flow from within you, he was saying, I'm inviting you into the promised land. No longer a slave. You no longer have to depend on your own abilities and your own gifts and your own talent and your own wisdom and your own counsel. But you can be fully dependent on these river wa- rivers of living water that are flowing from within you. You can trust in me. You can put down that little watering can. Stop trying to hand water your life and be fully dependent on me. I've got you. Every thirst that you have, I am there to quench it. This is how Jesus was when he was in the earth. He walked with this continual flow of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was very dependent on the Holy Spirit, his wisdom, his counsel, his power, Who are we to think that we don't need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit? We see Jesus being dependent. We see this beautiful partnership between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. In order for him to fulfill his purpose here on the earth, he needed that partnership. If you want to fulfill your purpose on the earth, that partnership with the Holy Spirit is vital. It's necessary. It's crucial to what you're doing. But how many of us are depending on our own human efforts? to water our own lives. This week as I was preparing this message, I got this picture of the body of Christ with this huge, like awkward, heavy watering can. And we like fill the watering can with our thoughts, our wisdom, our like strength, our ability, all the things. We fill it with our own water, not living water, just water. And we carry this big, heavy watering can, and it's like sloshing out over the sides. And then we try to water our lives and water our marriage and water our joy, and it doesn't work. We end up frustrated. We end up worn out. Our marriage is dried out. Our joy is far from lush, far from green. The crops of our life are struggling because we're dependent on ourselves. And here's what's scary, is that if you're a very strategic a very responsible, a very driven person, an achiever type personality, you can create some really well man-made systems to water your life. You can do things uh, that, that you put some patterns, some rhythms, some quiet times and things like that in your life. And for a while, everything looks green. Your gardens look great. You stand back and think, man, these gardens, these gardens look great. I'm doing a great job. But you were not meant to run on anything but fuel from the Holy Spirit. You were not designed to live that way. God did not make you that way. And so what happens is everything looks good for a while and then you experience drought. You are not enough. We have to be dependent on living waters. We have to be as dependent on the Holy Spirit as the people in the promised land were dependent on God for rain. Our gardens need help, right? Our gardens need help. We are not good gardeners. We are not good enough gardeners. We need help. And Jesus said he was sending the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Now, that word helper, I think it doesn't carry the weight that it should when we hear it. When we hear helper, it doesn't hit our spirits like it's supposed to hit our spirits. I think of helper, I think of like Sunny, my five-year-old. When she's the helper in her kindergarten class, what does she help do? She turns the light off at nap time and she's the helper. Like we've lost, that, that word has lost its value. This is not just any helper. This is helper with a capital H. 
the ultimate helper, the helper who helped Jesus raise from the dead. If he helped him raise from the dead, he can help you with anything. There is nothing that he is not equipped to help you with. He is the ultimate helper, uppercase, capital H, helper. And I know that we live in a DIY culture. Do it yourself, right? We pride ourselves, do it yourself. There's so many DIY videos out there, and it's great for like when you're fixing your fence or repainting your cabinets or something, go for it. DIY, save yourself some money, right? But when it comes to walking this narrow road that we are called to walk, we need to cultivate a different culture. Instead of DIY, we need to put a little letter in front of that, in, in DIY, never, never do it yourself. We have this helper with us. Why would we do it ourselves? Never do it ourselves. Here's the kind of culture that we live in. When issues arise, our first instinct is to Google solutions. You know, let me give you an example here. Uh, my six-month-old won't sleep through the night. I've been here before. I don't have a six-month anymore. Uh, six-month-old anymore, but my six-month-old won't sleep through the night. What will I do? What should I do? I don't know. Can't figure this out. Uh, I'll Google my way through this. And so we Google that. We go to different message boards. We read 75 different pieces of advice from 75 different moms who don't know us, who don't know our babies. We try everything that they suggest. We'll concoct this little essential oil thing. We'll do this over here. We'll try this. We'll tie wake time, sleep time. We'll change the order. We'll do all of these things. And then 75 frustrating nights later, we remember, oh, yeah. The ultimate helper, the Holy Spirit, he lives within me. And I can call on him and ask him. He's got all the answers, all the direction, all the wisdom that I need. He's right here. Oh, yeah, he's right here. Holy Spirit, help. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me to understand why my baby's not sleeping through the night. You know her. You, you help knit her together in my womb. You know the secrets of my heart. You know what I need. You know I need rest. You know I'm exhausted. Holy Spirit, I look to you. I look within. Help me, Lord. This rivers of living water, let it wash over my eyes, my mind. Bring clarity. Bring answers. Show me what I need to do. The Holy Spirit is within you. In the I Y. Never do it yourself. He was sent to be your helper. And, and listen. He takes great pleasure in it. He likes helping you. You're not putting him out. You're not frustrating him or annoying him. In fact, I think the Holy Spirit most of the time is really bored. Like he's bored, guys. He's just waiting, like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for you to say, Holy Spirit, help. He, he wants you to say, Holy Spirit, help. That excites him. And then he comes rushing like a mighty wind to help you where you need it the most, the ultimate helper. Holy Spirit, help me understand this verse that I'm reading. I don't, don't understand this. Help me understand. Help me to understand while my kids are acting out. Help me to have the right words to say as I go into this difficult meeting. My husband doesn't seem like himself. He seems stressed. He seems short. Holy Spirit, help me know how to pray for him. Holy Spirit, I've got to open this series <laughs> Help me figure this out. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help us. 
When we live fully aware that there is a river of living water flowing from within us, we will happily put down any water cans that represent our human attempts to irrigate our lives. Number two, Holy Spirit living looks like daily fruitfulness. Everybody say daily. Everybody say fruitfulness. Daily fruitfulness. Ezekiel 47 is this awesome vision, this dream, and it's about living waters that are flowing from a temple. Now, I think because Jesus said that rivers of living water would flow from within us, and he also referred to us as a temple, then we should pay attention to this vision and not be like, oh, this is weird. But this is like a picture of what it looks like to live filled with the Holy Spirit, letting that Holy Spirit flow in and from you. This is a beautiful picture of it. We don't have time to read the whole dream, but I want to encourage you this week in your quiet time, tomorrow morning when you wake up, read Ezekiel 47, and it will light a fire under you. It is a beautiful picture of Holy Spirit living, but I'm just going to pull out a couple verses uh, and point two here. Verse 12 says, but the river itself on both banks will grow fruit trees of all kinds. Their leaves won't wither. The fruit won't fail. Every month they'll bear fresh fruit because the river from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So this river of living water that's flowing from the temple, it's lined with the beautiful green trees that bear fruit in every and all seasons, fresh fruit every month. Its leaf never withers. It never fails to bear fruit. Doesn't matter if it's a crappy season, if it's a joyous season, if it's a dry season, if it's a stressful season, it's a, if it's a season of celebration, it doesn't matter. No matter the season, no matter the season, these trees are bearing fruit. Are you bearing fruit? Is the Holy Spirit producing fruit in your life right now? I'm not talking about apples and oranges and cherries. I'm talking about the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces. It's found in Galatians 5, 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, I've noticed that a lot of times when pastors get to this verse, they read these fruits of the Spirit really fast because they want you to know that they know them all by heart and they can just like fire them off. But I'm going to read them very slow because as I do, I want you to think about each one. And I want you to, to ask, like, am I producing this? Is the Holy Spirit producing this fruit in my life? Is this fruit on display right now in this season, wherever I'm at? Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. How you doing with that? If you're not sure, ask your spouse or your friend after the service. (laughs) They'll tell you. They'll tell you where they're not seeing that fruit. Why don't we see that fruit? We're saved. The Spirit of God lives within us. Where's the fruit? Verse 24 tells us why it's sometimes missing. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of the sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. When we're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit being produced in our life, it's because there's some sinful desires. There's some desires of our flesh that we need to actively nail to his cross and abandon there. That we, 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 we still have a flesh. We have the Spirit, and the Spirit is saying, go this way. But our flesh is saying, no, go this way. We've got to take those fleshly desires and nail them to his cross. 
In our home, we call it flushing the flesh. When we see the flesh rising up in our kids, you better flush your flesh. Right now, flush your flesh. Abandon it. You need to go with the flow of the spirit. Think about the spirit as a living water, rivers of living water. That, that living water is flowing a certain direction. The next verse says, since we're living by the spirit, which means we're aware of the spirit, we're full of the spirit, we're dependent on the spirit. Since we're living by the spirit, let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Which way are you, who are you following? Your flesh or the spirit of God? Are you going against the flow of this river of living water? The Spirit wants to lead you. The Spirit is there saying, don't do that, don't say that, say this, be loving, be kind. The Spirit is there, but so often we go this way. We need to nail those sinful desires to his cross daily so we can bear this fruit daily. If we don't, we'll be producing the fruit of ourselves, the fruit of Sarah. The fruit of Sarah is so rotten. It really is. The fruit of Sarah is impatient, judgy, so judgy. (laughs) The fruit of Sarah is harsh. And so when I start to see the fruit of Sarah on display, I know there's something. There's something in the flesh that that I'm, I'm loving instead of abandoning, instead of nailing to the cross and saying, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. Number three, Holy Spirit living looks like daily outletting. Daily outletting. This is also from the vision in Ezekiel verse nine. It says, it will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes, look at how many times it says go. The river is going somewhere. Where the river goes will live and there will be a great number of fish. We're called to be fishers of men, right? And great number of fish because these waters go there so that the waters of the sea are healed and become fresh, so everything will live wherever the river goes. It's going somewhere. This river is outletting. This river isn't staying right here because if the river stays right here, it's not a river anymore, it's a swamp, right? It's a swamp, it's stagnant. The Holy Spirit is not just for you. The Holy Spirit is not just your helper. The Holy Spirit is in you and you're supposed to let that Holy Spirit outlet so that you can be a helper and a friend and guidance and counsel to those around you. Daily outletting. I couldn't say it any more beautiful than Henry David Thoreau. He said, what lies before us and what lies behind us are small matters compared to what lies within us. And when you bring what is within out into the world, miracles happen. We've got to bring what is within the Holy Spirit. We've got to bring it out. It needs to be overflowing the banks of our life. It's not just for you and your little personal quiet time to help you understand scripture. It's there for that, but we've got to let it outlet. Ezekiel said in this vision, every living creature which swarms in every place where the river goes will live healing waters, fresh waters, everything will live wherever the river goes. Does this describe your life? Where you go, do you bring life with you? Do you bring hope? Do you bring refreshment? Do you bring restoration with you wherever you go? I'm not talking about just being a positive person and smiling. I'm not talking about just being a cheerleader and saying positive words over people. I'm talking about something supernatural here. I'm talking about the spirit of the living God overflowing into the lives of people around you, touching them in such a way that dead things come back to life. 
that, that areas where they are dry, that, that those areas become lush and green because they've had an encounter with you, which means they've had an encounter with the spirits of the living God. Daily outletting. When you serve here at New Song, that's an outlet. Whenever you're taking your kids to school on the way to, on the way to or you're taking them to school and you're speaking the word over them and prophesying over them, that's an outlet. Your places of work, your schools, your, your uh, coffee shops, whoever you encounter, your Facebook page or Instagram, whatever y'all do, that's an outlet. Do you see that as an outlet where you can supernaturally transform people through this living water that's within you? We've got to daily outlet. Bring God's spirit with you wherever you go. Location is everything. And, the, and God put the Holy Spirit in you. The spirit of the living God is located in you. Remember at the beginning we talked about the, the water draw, drawing ceremony and how uh, it's been said that anyone who has not seen this ceremony has never seen rejoicing in his life. I don't think we can like, quite picture how they were rejoicing that day. But here's why. It's because they had never gotten over the fact that God provided for their ancestors water in the wilderness. They never got over the fact that he provided water for them last year when there was no river, that he sent rains and that rain kept their family alive. They never got over that. My question for you is, have you gotten over the Holy Spirit? When is the last time you really rejoiced? I mean, rejoiced over the fact that the spirit of the living God dwells in you, a little Cool Whip container. He lives in you. When's the last time you let that hit your spirit and rejoiced and praise God that the Trinity, part of the Trinity lives in you, helping you, encouraging you, empowering you. Are you over him? Are you used to it? Don't get used to it, church. Don't rejoice more over a piece of chocolate cake than you do over the spirit of the living God being inside you. The joy that you need, the strength that you need, the wisdom you need, the help you need, it's all within. The joy they need, the strength they need, the wisdom they need, the counsel they need, it's within you. You can remember this this week. I want you to remember this this week. When your boss is being a jerk, when you have a fight with your spouse, when you have some really tough assignment that's stressing you out at school, when there's drama going on at school, when your teacher's treating you unfairly at school, when things don't go as planned. Sometime this week, something's not gonna go as planned. That's the way life goes. Jesus said we'd experience trials and tribulations. He promised us that. So when you experience those trials and tribulations this week, as you leave here today, I want you to pause. And I want you to, before you Google your way through it, I want you to remember that there is a river. There is a river. And this river has strategically been placed in each of God's children. It's been placed in believers. This is a river of living water. It brings dead things back to life. It cleans, it cools, it refreshes, heals, and restores. It makes everything around it green, lush, and beautiful. It brings joy and gladness to entire cities. This city needs this river to flow through it. This city needs the spirit of the living God. It can bring joy to entire cities, a river that never 
runs dry. Your ability, your strength, your counsel, your wisdom, it's gonna run dry. But this river, it never does. The spirit of the living God. So whether you're here and you've been filled with the spirit since you were 10, you went to church camp, you got filled with the spirit, or whether you are here and you're like Apollos going, what, this is the first time I've ever heard this. Wherever you're at, I wanna remind you that there's more. There's always more of God. He wants to pour his spirit out on you. He wants you to experience it in a greater way than you've ever experienced it before. And we're just getting started. Don't miss a single week of this series. God is wanting to do some things. He's wanting to stir some things up. He's wanting to shake some things loose in your lives and in this city. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? He wants to help you this morning. He wants to help you. Don't start thinking about lunch. Don't start thinking about what else you have to do today. He wants to help you right now. He's your helper, the ultimate helper. He's got a word for you this morning. He wants to show you some things. Ask him to show you where you've been trying to water and irrigate your lives in your own strength, with your own gifts, man-made. Dependent on yourself, your own gifts and strengths. Show him, show him where you need to surrender. Put down that watering can today. Be dependent on the spirit of God. It's okay to be dependent. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to do it all in your own strength. He didn't make you that way. Show him the fruit. Ask him to show you your life, the trees of your life. What do you need to nail to the cross this morning? What do you need to abandon? And then ask him to show you your outlets. Are you stagnant? the water within stagnant where you need to outlet maybe you need to come to that small group meeting tonight at the church so you can start leading a small group you have a place you can outlet into some singles you were single once you remember what it was like they're going through a tough season right now they need somebody like you to outlet spirit of the living God to help them through this season thank you Holy Spirit Thank you for being excited about us, excited to help us, to partner with us, with us. Help us never get over it. Help us never get over it. If you're here today and you'd say, I have never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I want to, I'm ready. I don't wanna do things my way anymore. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my savior. I don't know what it all looks like. I just know that my heart is crying out and I want a real relationship with Jesus. If that's you this morning, we're going to say a prayer together here in just a second. But I want you to know that as you say this prayer, that it seems like nothing, but it is everything. That, that when you say these words, the word of God says that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, 
that Jesus is Lord, that something miraculous takes place. You get a brand new born again spirit. The old has passed away. A new man, a new woman is born. Your rags of filth and sin, they're gone. And you're now dressed in robes of righteousness. It's an amazing thing that sounds too good to be true, but it is true. And it's so good. He wants you to be a part of the family of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to pay for it. All you have to do is confess and believe. So would you say this with me, church? And if that's you, I want you to know as you say this, these words aren't vain. They're not in vain. That God is hearing them and that something is happening. Something is taking place. Thank you, Jesus. We come to you in faith today. Say, Heavenly Father, say, Jesus. I confess I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I invite you to be my Lord. Come and have your way in me. I surrender my past, my present and my future to you. Thank you for a brand new spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a child of God. I believe you were raised from the dead. You're alive in me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give him a hand this morning. What an exciting day for you. We are excited for you. Can't wait to celebrate with you. If you would, go ahead and stand up on your feet, everybody. I'm gonna invite the altar ministry team to come forward. And uh, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I wanna encourage you to come and let one of these guys know. They have a book they wanna send you home with. Uh, because you're saved, your spirit is new, but your flesh, what do you do with that? Well, we've got a book that helps you, 10 Steps Toward Christ, uh, to show you how to begin to walk out your relationship with Him. Uh, Also, if you have a prayer need of any kind, maybe you're dealing with some sickness, anxiety, you have a big thing coming up at work and you just want somebody to agree with you over it, there's power and agreement. Where two or more are gathered, God is with them. And anything that they ask in His name, God will do it. That's why we do this every week. And so if you have a prayer need of any kind, as we go back into this last session of worship, I encourage you to come forward and partner with these guys in prayer. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person with a prayer need to the altars this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.